Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thursday night edition of the Field of 12 After Dark. It is the official week three college football preview. We're going to go through every single big game of this upcoming weekend. We're going to tell you everything you need to know heading into the weekend so you can be prepared for 12 glorious hours of college football come Saturday. My name is Greg Waddell. I've got Clint Sterner. I've got Christian Hackenberg with me as well. Gentlemen, how we doing? Hack, the bar looks good behind you. I hope you're putting it to use tonight. Uh, I'm always doing that with you guys. I mean, I can't can't get away from that, but I, I'm also blown away by that intro. I'd run through a wall after that intro, so <laughs> here's to you. Thank you so much, Hack. Clint, how you doing? Wi-Fi doing well right now, it appears. I'm hanging in there, man. I'm just a true pro, bro. I, I, I made things work by the time kickoff came, and I got me I got me a green screen with this Field of 12 logo. I'm a company man. Hell, I don't know what else you want, Waddell. I don't know what else you want. Hey, you're just a gamer, man. When the bright lights start shining, that's when Clint shows up to his best. Uh, you've been doing it your whole life, some would say, Clint. So, listen, we're going to jump in. We're going to talk Hacks Alma Mater tonight. We're going to talk BYU-Oregon, another huge game this weekend. Scott Frost is gone. I'm devastated. My pockets are devastated, but we're going to talk about Oklahoma-Nebraska. And then we're going to give you picks for the 12 biggest games of the weekend. But first, as always, we've got to do our toast, gentlemen. So, Hack, the pod guy himself, can lead us off tonight. What you got? I'll start this off. I'm going to go to a toast internally here. Field of 12 Media Network. We're dropping our own merch. Uh, what is it, next week sometime, Greg? So, you know, this is a this is a quote that I had on on the first, uh, first, first show I did with JP and uh, Jake Butt previewing the big 10. I was a pod guy. These guys weren't fans of that because I don't believe in preseason rankings, but I'm a big pod guy. So here's to this and here's to the drop of our merch coming soon to the pod guys everywhere. Hack. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. All right, Clint, you're up next. What do you got? Well, I'm going to assume I hadn't got my shirts yet. So um, <laughs> being the company guy that I am, I'm going to wait on that. Um, but I tell you what, this doesn't happen very often, boys. In fact, it's happened probably two or three times since since I put on them pads that look like Mark Bavaro was wearing them some bitches. If we're being honest, um, I pull up my my uh, my ESPN app here, and that AP poll got them hogs in that top ten, baby. So I don't like to I don't like to uh, I don't like to to boast about my hogs very often. Hell, I don't get the chance to boast about my hogs very often. If we're being honest. But it feels really good that Sam Pittman's got them boys in the top 10 of that AP poll. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know. But, damn, it feels good to be a hog, baby. Here's the Sam Pittman and them Razorbacks in that top 10. I'll drink to that. All right. I alluded to this uh, off camera here to hack before the show started. But uh, if you followed the Field of 12 on all social media platforms, as you should, 
You got to see some clips from a very entertaining episode of uh, JP and Hack's show, the Big Ten show this week. <laughs> and they broke down the, the Cade McNamara wrongdoings, right? The way that Jim Harbaugh has cast this man aside, a, a man who frankly got him an extension, got him a raise that he wouldn't have had. He was fighting for his job last year, and Cade McNamara delivered on a silver platter his career back to restoration. Well, on the flip side of that, there's a guy named J.J. McCarthy Hack. And as a football fan in the state of Michigan, I can't tell you how excited I am to see full-time starter J.J. McCarthy. The era is here. It starts Saturday, and I'm excited to watch it, boys. So cheers to J.J. McCarthy. Pretty damn good quarterback. There you go. Hey, man, I gave the guy his roses. I'm just saying it was, to me, handled poorly. Hey, you're not wrong about that, uh, but, you know. Michigan fans, they're used to weird things from from their coach and their program a little bit here and there. They're going to try and look past all that hack. And I've been uh, I've already been pushing Mr. McNamara, by the way. I know a school in the Midwest that needs a quarterback right now. Let's get that man to Notre Dame. Can we transfer portal era? Let's get him a first first class bus ticket to South Bend as soon as he can, please. I think Dagan would be fired up about it. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's jump in to game number one from our preview here. Penn State. At Auburn, the Nittany Lions are three-point road favorites in this game, according to our friends at Bet Rivers. I'm not going to lie. I did the best bet show this morning, and uh, my gut reaction to that was pure shock. I thought this line would be flipped. I thought Auburn would be three-point favorites. So, Hack, this is your team. These are your guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, through two weeks of watching this team, what is the identity of this Penn State football team, and why is it different than past iterations? So I'll start off with this. I think for the first time in a while, I think since 2016, Penn State wasn't ranked um, heading into the preseason polls. So the expectations around the program, I think, heading into this year were not as high. Uh, and they, I think that's given them some time to to work quietly, work in the shadows a little bit. Um, I, I, I've been a big proponent of this. And, you know, Clint and I have talked about this last year and I've, I've hammered it pretty hard this year. You know, I still think that they need to develop a different type of toughness and mentality in the trenches, specifically on the offensive line, um, in order to really establish and please the old school Penn State people who are used to that. Um, So last week was a good step in the right direction there, rushing for 200 yards, granted, given it was against uh, an Ohio team, but um, the freshman back showed some stuff. So I think their identity is still developing, to answer your question. Um, but year two under Yersich, you have a you have a veteran quarterback back there who's who's been there forever, a um, lot of lot of experience. So I think they're slowly but surely churning it out and trying to figure it out. They have that young guy in the background, um, similar to the Michigan uh, faithful, um, who can push that guy. I think, and, and it definitely is going to be a potential future cornerstone for that program moving forward for the next couple of years. He's getting some reps, so I think they're still trying to figure it out. Clint, does this three-point line surprise you that Penn State's the favorite heading into this game? No, it, it doesn't surprise me because, look, there, there's a lot of dysfunction in, in Auburn on the Plains, man, with Brian Harson, the, the good-looking little gal that he brought in from, from Boise State. I don't know what was going on. All I can tell you is he's an attractive young lady. He, he's an attractive older man. He, uh, he kept her on campus. I, I don't know what went on, uh, Hack, but bottom line is, is that uh, there was a lot of smoke around Brian Harson. Uh, he almost lost his job. And, and quite frankly, we hadn't seen them do anything this year 
to, to tell us whether they're worth a flip or not, right? Coming into the season, we knew Tank was really, really good. We, we knew that, that Bigsby could run the rock. It don't matter who was blocking for him. It didn't matter who the opponent was. That's all we knew about Auburn. And that's all we know about Auburn today. And so we're going to find out about T.J. Finley. Um, is, it, is it a new and improved T.J. Finley, or is it more of what we've seen in the past uh, offensively? I don't believe they're going to be able they're, – they're running the rock at a clip of about 60 to 65% of the time, and, and at least from a production standpoint. Um, they're going to have to throw it, and they're going to throw it effectively. And that's always been, you know, can T.J. Finley do that? And so I don't think we have the answers to who Auburn is. I don't think we have the answers to who T.J. Finley is. And they're going to need more than just Bigsby to uh, to win this ball game. Even in their own backyard, they're going to need more. So um, – I think the jury's still out on who Auburn is, and and uh, we'll find out who T.J. Finley is in an Auburn uniform. We'll find out if they should have ran off old boy and let him go to Oregon, right? I mean, should they should they have kept the Golden Boy? Because the thing about the thing about the Golden Boy, I can't his name escapes me. What the hell is his Bo name? Nicks. Right now? Bo, Bo Nicks. Bo Nicks. Um, the thing about him is he was the kind of player, guys, that raised your floor. Right. I'm not real sure that his ceiling was high enough for you to compete with Bama and compete in the SEC West, but he damn sure raised your floor. I don't know that TJ Finley can do that. I think it's I think it's penthouse or outhouse. And uh he's gonna get tested this weekend. Yeah, I wanna I wanna add to that the idea of raising the floor to me. Uh I would also argue that not against Alabama, like you mentioned, but in games like this like a home game against another power five school that's, you know, a, a solid top 25 type team, but not a top five team in the country. I think he also raised their ceiling because Bo Nix about once every month could throw for 350 yards and a few touchdowns, right? It just wasn't consistent. And I don't know that TJ Finley can do that really ever. I don't know that he's going to have that type of game once every four months. Hack, let's go back in, yeah. a, in a quick time. These two teams played last year. At home for Penn State. Penn State got the job done. Uh, like, what what did you see in that game that led to the Penn State victory? That And is that going to correlate into this year's matchup and these versions of these two teams? Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I think that, that historical data, the chips have been shifted so much for both teams, uh, with the exception of a few guys, Tank, Sean. The chips have been shifted so much, I think it's going to be hard, and they don't see each other as much. So I think that's kind of out the window. It's just one of those things that kind of happened. But I do want to bring it up to this, because I think Clint brought up some really good points and some strong points about Auburn. And then on the flip side for Penn State, you know, they got P.J. Mustafer back up front, um, and they're defensive backfield is still very strong. Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, they have some guys who can make plays. And I think if they can hold Tank Bigsby, um, not all the time, but enough to force T.J. Finley into some obvious passing situations, specifically on third down, he's already shown a propensity to turn the football over. He's got three interceptions this year already playing, you know, Wi-Fi State, as George says, and a couple other teams that just don't really, you know, but I mean, not no disrespect to them, but, um, you know, already is turning the ball over early against lesser competition. And now when you put some guys who are all American caliber defensive backs, and then you have some bump, uh, a solid defensive front who can force them into some of those situations. I think it plays advantageously into Penn State. And again, I think just the overall uh, experience that this Penn State team has early going to Purdue, getting a win in a tough tough fight with a team that's 
throwing the rock all over the field. Um, I think they've already kind of been tested this year. And I think that that's going to bode well um, heading down to Auburn uh, this weekend. So, so I, I look, I look for Penn state to win this football game. Um, but uh, without a doubt, uh, Auburn's got the talent to, to put up a fight and it's going to be a good game, but I, I do um, think that just the way the matchups play, the strengths of each of these teams, I think Penn State's got a really good chance at, at being two and zero against Auburn the last two years. You got to wonder. You got to wonder too, guys. And again, talking about T.J. Finley, he's not the guy that's just going to take the job. He's right. not the he's not the dude that's going to come in there and take the decision out of the coach's hands. I mean, it's it, it, for for twelve weeks this year. It's going to be man. Do we really believe in T.J. Finley? Can we do better? And this young kid, this Robbie Ashford kid, you, you wonder if. At this point in time, Auburn is a better – and this is just a question. Hell, I don't know. But, yeah. but, but, again, because they've been playing me and you at defensive tackle, Hack, but <laughs> uh, it, which I'm built a little more like a defensive tackle these days than, than Hacky is, so I may be able to get away with it. But there is – you know, there's, there's something there to be said about a guy that literally can stretch the field sideline to sideline and create lanes with his athletic ability for Bigsby and make Bigsby's life – significantly easier because now you got to account for that quarterback. I only say that because I don't think TJ Finley can consistently do that with his arm. So it's going to be interesting to see through this game, how they decide to play football. I don't think that decision has been made at Auburn either. Ultimately deep down inside. Act, let's say this game comes down to a two minute drill. Penn state's down four points, touchback, take the ball out of their own end zone. Here we go. Ball's in Sean Clifford's hands. What's your trust level? Listen, I, I mean, Cliff's done it. You know what I mean? It, trust level, however you want to say it. He's had his ups and downs, but Cliff has performed. Um, and I've always said this. I think Clifford's a guy with the right pieces around him who's never going to lose you football games. He's always going to put you in positions to win football games, but he's also not going to be that guy that, without the right pieces around him, is going to raise that floor of that team from a four-win team to a seven-win team. he I, I just don't think he's that guy from a talent standpoint, just pure quarterbacking everything, intangibles. But when he has the right pieces around him like he does have, he's a guy who's never going to put you in a bad situation most of the time. He'll make a couple mistakes, but he'll always make up for him. So, I mean, I like I said, I, I love Cliff. I think he's a great kid. And I think that in that situation, again, he's historically speaking, he's done it. So he can do it, and it's not going to be something new for him in any setting. Okay. All right. Let's jump to another massive game this weekend. BYU on the road at Oregon. Ranked matchup here. BYU looking for back-to-back impact-type wins, resume-type wins off of the overtime victory against Baylor. Aranda had them boys running. BYU shut them down. I think this is a different team at home than it is on the road. Eugene, different type of challenge. But let's tee it up like this, guys, because if you look at BYU's schedule, it's a long way to go. But Oregon, Arkansas are the two big ones left. Clint knows all about that. Beyond that, the doors are starting to open up, and you can squint and see a path for BYU through this schedule to someplace special this season. Can this BYU team really run the table? Clint, let's go to you first on this. Absolutely. Absolutely they can. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a team full of upperclassmen. You're talking about – we've talked the last – I guess it was opening weekend. We talked about Utah's team, the camaraderie, the togetherness, the – you know, the – and that is unbelievably powerful. I know we minimize it and people like to like to, to laugh at it when, when we talk about it and call it coach speak. Well, to hell with that. 
when you got when you got twenty plus upperclassmen returning uh, starters that have already been productive, you, you're a cohesive unit. You're you're a, a, a mature, experienced unit, uh, and the unit as in team, not just offense or defense. So I, I think I only say that to say this is when that's the case, and then they go out and they play really, really good football. They're as balanced a team as there is in the country. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you on the defense side of the football. They can beat you through the air. And they've arguably got – take the upsets out of the picture last week with the Sun Belt beating up on everybody somehow, some damn way. But you look at the Power 5 matchups, that, that win against Baylor is one of the top three, top four wins of the season so far in the first two – Two plus week zero, so three weeks of the season. It's one of the biggest wins we've seen, guys. So I don't know how you look at BYU any other way than I believe in the product that I'm looking at because it's a bunch of grown-ass men doing it. It ain't just some young kid strike of luck, made a big play, and and won a ball game in the end. No, it's consistent. It's powerful. It's 22 dudes, um, and I'm I'm buying it. Now, I hope I'm dead-ass wrong because I I hope Arkansas – I hope Arkansas snips them, but but uh, when it's all said and done, BYU's a, a dangerous football team right now, guys. Hey, you got a couple weeks until that Razorbacks matchup, so you can go ahead and root for BYU a few more. Take an undefeated <laughs> record into that one. That's Look, right. I, uh, I I made a, a graphic for us for the Field of 12 preseason. It was the, the top non-conference matchups, and BYU had two of them. We had BYU-Baylor and BYU-Oregon in the top 10 non-conference matchups across the country. I think it'd just be impressive as hell if they were to come out undefeated through three weeks of the season, if they can get through this testing, Eugene. Uh, to flip this to the Oregon side, though, and we'll go to you on this hack. Mm-hmm. This is a rebound spot for a team off of what happened against Georgia in week one. And I, I struggle looking back at that because so much of that performance to me was not about where Oregon is at, but it's about where Georgia is as a program. Mm-hmm. I think there's quite a few teams that could have been put in that exact spot and had a very similar outcome. Now you turn the page forward to week two, blowout win for the Ducks against, you know, uh, what do we call it? The, I think the, it was Eastern Washington or something. Yeah, Eastern like Washington. That. I was looking. Yeah, for- I'll be respectful to Eastern Washington. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you. No Walmart techs over here. Yeah. But now, like, like Oregon hasn't had that middle of the road game, right? The the right. game where they're a two touchdown favorite, but it's still a, a an opponent that has more of a pulse maybe than Eastern Washington does. How does Oregon approach this game, and what are you expecting from the Ducks in this spot? Yeah, well, I think this is going to be a big test for Dan Lanning and, and definitely a, a gut check for where he's at in his early tenure there. Um, to me, you know, Clint brought up all the right things. This is a BYU team who's been there, done that. They have had stability at the at the head coaching position. Um, the The veterans of that team know what the expectation is, I think, um in that building and it's not it i mean even historically byu has been a program that's put out nfl players really good ones they they expect success there um so it's not like your typical cinderella story that hasn't ever had that taste and feeling of what it's like to be the team or a team heading into the game so i don't think that's ever a challenge with them so oregon's really got to not walk into this one you know expectations lines all that stuff they really need to walk into this one extremely focused and ready to execute because this BYU team can hurt you they proved it last week but they've also proved it over uh, a pretty pretty strong period of time here so um home away I'm confident in the experience of this BYU team um and I think Oregon really needs to come back and find some some solid some solid structure in their path forward so if they can come out of this one with a win 
Uh, I think it, I think it propels them into a different conversation out there in the West, um, you know, competing with, with uh, right now, the, the, the big dog on that, on that block in USC. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think a lot's a lot is unknown on one side, and I think there's a lot of known on the other side, and it's really hard to to hedge your bets on that unknown aspect to me. Guys, I, I, I'll, I, let me say this: with Oregon, this we talked about the the, the Oregon Georgia game. Like, I'm gonna put myself in the, in the locker room with Oregon Georgia. I'm gonna be honest with you: new head coach. My expectations were were next to nothing. We're going to go out there. More than likely, reality, if we're real talking here, reality is we're probably going to get our ass kicked. Um, but let's just go out there and see what, what we can put together and what coaches what coaches talking about here. So you go out there and you get skull drug. Okay, no big deal. Everybody expected it. You go back, you stay, you, you put your nose down, you grind, you go back to work. And then you beat up on Eastern Washington or whatever, right? And this game right here has to be the one on Dan Lanning's schedule that's been starred from jump. This is a game that – Oregon, no matter the coaching changes, no matter the quarterback issues, no matter what happened versus Georgia, this is a game that Oregon expects to win. This is a game that if, if Oregon doesn't win, the national narrative about the Ducks is going to change. Yep. The, the locker room dynamic for Dan Lanning and his team and what he's trying to rebuild is going to change. Like you don't, you lose to Georgia, your guys believe in you. Hey, keep doing, hey, keep, I promise what we're, we're teaching you and what we're working, we're, I promise you're going in the right direction. Okay, okay, coach, we'll show up, man. We'll, we'll bust ass for you. You mess around and lose to BYU at home, there's going to be guys that are going to start questioning that. There's going to be guys that were committed to the new dude because he was a new guy and there was a new opportunity and new season. All of a sudden, you're one and two. With a loss to BYU, you start looking out of your side eye, you start going, wait a minute, man, what are we talking about here, coach? So this is a this is a big time important game for for Dan Lanning in Oregon in a big big way, man. And let me let me throw this in there too because you brought it up the quarterback play. I mean, Bo Nix played really well last week, and again, it was Eastern Washington, but he threw for like five touchdowns and and played really really well. So this is a chance for Bo Nix to show everybody, like Greg was saying, you know, hey, he's good for one a month. Can he start elevating and be a focal point for that team? To your point to put this season in the right trajectory, because yeah. I do agree with you. If this one goes, goes awry, this season turns into a whirlwind of ups and downs that Dan Lanning really doesn't want to have moving forward with his growth of, of the program in, in the right. direction he wants to take it. Heck here, here's the thing real quick. I want to get off this game, but, but when you talk about Bo Nix, the problem with Bo Nix is not that, that he is limited in certain certain aspects of the game. The problem with Bo Nix is he needs to be in a certain system. He needs to be in a system a lot like what Clint Sterner was in back in the day. Mm-hmm. You got to have a good run game. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to have the ability to close the middle of the field, and then he, hey, he can throw them out routes and them comebacks and them glances and them digs. He can throw them all day long. But if you want him to sit back there – and distribute the football accurately and just pick defenses apart and be a surgeon from the pocket. And then you want to ask him to spread them out sideline to sideline and do some do, be effective with your feet and run the football in design runs. He's not that guy. It, 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 we're living in a world of college football where it's so quarterback specific and so quarterback oriented that everybody wants this quarterback that we can just, he's going to make the play caller right. He's going to make everybody around him better. He's gonna he's gonna go put the team on his back and go win ball games. 
He's not that guy. He's a game manager. You got to build your offense, call your offense, and ultimately navigate a game that way if Bo Nix is going to be your guy. 100%. All right, we're going to move to a couple more, but to wrap this BYU-Oregon game up, one word answer from you both, and you got to stick to my hosting rules here. Can't one do word it. Answer. Can't do it. Clint, I'm going to make you do it. <laughs> I got what, you, baby. What team is this game more important to? You said all the reasons it was for Oregon. BYU potentially playoff stuff on the line here, run the table. Which team is it more important to? I want the answer from both of you. Hack, you go first. Big picture overall. That's more Oregon. than one word, man. What are we doing? What I just doing? had to pre preset it. Big picture overall, Oregon. Clint? Is overall one word or two words? Overall is one word, right? You use four and, words, you son of a gun. I, look, I, I'll go with BYU because they hadn't lost yet. And, and I mean, this is a Cinderella season. Stars are aligned. It's bigger for BYU. 15 words. How do you like that? All right, if you want to listen to us count words, you can do so over on the SiriusXM app where we will be all season long. If you're watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you as well. Click that subscribe button. Field of 12 is the YouTube channel. Let's jump to my good old friend, Scott Frost. It's going to feel like an empty home for me in Nebraska this week. Uh, I may shed a cold, sad tear when that game kicks off, and he's not standing stoically, sadly, on the sidelines. The number six team in the country, though, heads to Lincoln. That's Oklahoma. And these are old rivals. I'm not sure that this is necessarily even going to feel like a rivalry game. There's too much going on in this stadium right now. A new coach, a, a sad fan base, and an Oklahoma team that I think is flying under the radar. Everybody's gassing up USC a little bit right now for that mid-range top 10 team that could potentially factor into the title equation. Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners are sitting right there, and no one's really talking about them right now. So let's start on the Oklahoma side of this. Clint, I'm going to go to you here. Why aren't people talking about Oklahoma the same way that they are talking about teams like Michigan and USC? Well, I don't think I don't think people know who the hell they are yet. Look, I I don't think when you talk about Oklahoma, um, I mean they played UTEP and Kent State, bro. I mean that's at the end of the day, I, I don't think there's a lot of change. They they lost not just their head coach but their identity offensively. They lost their best player at the quarterback position and several others at that point in time. They brought in a defensive minded coach with an offensive play caller with completely different terminology. So whether you look at the adversity the way Lincoln left or you look at the difference between the former regime and, and, and Venables and his crew that, that's there now, I think most of us that know college football and have done it and, and had transition like that, you understand how difficult it is. doesn't matter how great Venables is. You can't say, well, oh, it's a top 10 team. They're going to do great. and Man, we're going we're gonna to ride their coattails because Venables is a great coach. Hell, man, he, he's got a lot to overcome within the last three or four months at, at the University of Oklahoma. So I don't think we know who the hell OU is right now. And I think people that know college football, they know they haven't been tested and they know they've been through a ton of change. And so I'm not real sure that there's, there's handles on a number six ranking for Oklahoma. I get it. They started a little bit higher. They've not fallen. They haven't disappointed. It's OU. It's a big brand. I'm cool with it. But I don't know that there's really handles on exactly why they're sitting at number six. So, therefore, a lot of people aren't talking about them. Hack, do you think we can even find out that answer? Like, who is Oklahoma? Can we find that out in this game at Nebraska? 
Well, hold on. Before I get to that, this intro with your whole tribute to Scott Frost, Dagan or someone needs to chop this up and cut it to that scene from old school when Will Ferrell falls in the pool and then goes into the dream. <laughs> we need like a cut of Scott Frost in there. Um, anyway, I'll go back to what you said. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. When you look at it, like Nebraska's, I I've said it, that the roster's talented, um, very talented. Uh, well, not very talented, but but more talented than what the product they put on the field up until this point is. And, um, you know, Oklahoma, again, has kind of just been in the dark there, haven't played anybody. I don't think they've been winning in as sexy as, of a fashion as they usually do, too, where you have all these highlights and all this stuff. It's all over Sports Center, and people who aren't in tune with that market are still seeing it. So um, I, to answer your question, I, I don't think so. You know, I expect Oklahoma to go in there and handle business. There's a lot of question marks up there at, at Nebraska right now. Um, it, tough job for Mickey Joseph to try and get the reins back on that thing and get everything kind of calmed down, tempered down. I wouldn't want to be him in this situation right now, coming into this, into this, into this game. But um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think you find this out until you see Oklahoma getting into the Baylor's and the Oklahoma States and those types of teams in the in in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we find out who they are, G. I, I don't think we find, but we learn a little something about them that we don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I think here's. I mean, just from a thirty thousand foot view, um, I, I don't know if Venables is going to be worth a damn as a head coach. Have no clue. Um, but but I know a lot of defensive minded head coaches screw up screw up one major component, and that is the offensive coordinator and the quarterback combination. Right, you try to put a square peg in a round hole, or, or 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 with the coordinator or with the quarterback, one way or another, and it's not a good fit. But this kid was a five star, and he was here with the last regime, and he was an air raid guy. But now all of a sudden, you're a pro, you're, you're a power spread guy, and, and we're going to try to make this five star that was here that everybody in, in in Oklahoma. And I know I'm just using I'm just giving an example. I know that guy's not there at Oklahoma, but. You know, you're trying to put that square peg in that round hole. It just doesn't work, and the defensive-minded head coach doesn't get it. He gets it. Venables gets it. I mean, he went and got not only a, a, a really good but a hot offensive coordinator in Levy, and he went and got a, a quarterback that is a good player and knows his system and has had a ton of success in his system. So in the process of changing terminology offensively, you got a quarterback that's that's an extension of the coaching staff in the dorms at night. Not not uh, surely he don't live in the dorms. This unbucket's quarterback and OU living it. But you get my point. He, he's he's with the fellas and he's got the terminology in his mind already, and he's talking ball with his fellas and it's second nature. That is unbelievably powerful. And so many defensive-minded head coaches get it wrong and go through coordinator after coordinator after coordinator and and mess up the quarterback situation. I think they may have figured this thing out, G. I think they may have figured this thing out at OU with Venables hiring the right people and bringing in the right quarterback. All right, so if I if I teed up the the two roads, turn left or turn right again, this is my favorite game tonight, clearly. You've got either this is a bloodbath and Oklahoma runs them out in Lincoln, or this thing gets interesting and Nebraska pulls out a very inspired effort with their head coach out of there. Which one's more likely? Are you going bloodbath, Clint? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's a good football game. I think this ends up being a really good football game. I, I really do. I, I, I watched Nebraska a little bit coming out this year, and, and, and um, 
I, I, I'm with Hack. I think they, they strike me as a team that's a lot more talented than we've seen them play. And the, 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 the ability of a new face to stand up in front of the, the, the team meeting room and say, hey, guys, if you don't want to do it for your damn self, do it for me, man. I, I'm the interim guy, and I got 10 more weeks with you, baby. I mean, lay it on the line for me. Um, sometimes that's a powerful, powerful moment. Now, don't last, but that's a powerful moment. I think Nebraska – I think this is a, a really good football game. I don't think it's a blowout. Hack, same idea for you? Yeah, I, I'm still hesitant because the mistakes that that you find at Nebraska overall, it's just bonehead. It's special teams. It's stuff that's self-inflicting, and they just – I don't care who's up there. That's pride as a player. That's pride as a team. That's pride as a locker room in terms of discipline and how you handle that business moving forward. And I'm not, I'm not calling those kids out because obviously the environment wasn't great um, to begin with. But – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out hot and it was it was close, but I do see Oklahoma pulling away. Um, you know, just just a little bit more consistency uh, in the program right now. Okay, all right, we're gonna go to one more top twenty-five matchup, and then we're even gonna talk a couple under the radar games before we make our picks. Miami at Texas A and M. A rebound spot of all rebound spots for the Aggies who lost last week to App State at home. They stay at home. We may have quarterback drama for the Aggies. Is it Haynes King? Is it Max Johnson? Meanwhile, Miami, the Hurricanes, have outscored opponents 100-20 to through two weeks of this season and are kind of, I don't want to say under the radar, but no one's really talking about that. This is their first big test with a lot of light right in their faces. A&M, let's start there. How much do they need this win? Because I think I rattled off some Jimbo Fisher numbers to you guys last week. <laughs> that pressure's building, Hack. I mean, is this like an absolute must-win game to you for AM? I would think so. I definitely would think so. Um, you know, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, stir any pot, say anything, but you know, I think AM definitely needs to needs to needs to win this ball game. I mean, they need to win this ball game without saying it. Like, I knew I made that really drama dramatized, but I'm telling you, I mean, I think they do need to win this ball game. Um, and and I, I'm just on the other side. Like, I'm more excited about Miami, to be honest with you. Ooh, talk to me about the Hurricanes then. Give me the excitement. I think this is a good football team. I think they got a great quarterback. I think the U has never been a lack of talent there. They've always had talent. Um, and they they were in it. A little bit when uh, they had old Manny Diaz down there. They had a couple nine-win seasons were in it, so the, the taste of that isn't that far gone. Um, and I think Mario's the right guy down there. You know, I, I, he said the U isn't back, but the U's back to work. I think there's a different mentality, less entitlement. Um, and I think they've really got a shot because they got nothing to lose. This team, you, you know, you're 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 stalking a, a a hurt a hurt puppy right now, a wounded animal, and they got a chance to go in and finish it. So I'm really excited for this Miami team. All right, Clint, let's flip that over to you. Uh, Mario Cristobal, right now, obviously he's passing the test early. Went coast to coast. He's on the East Coast now in Florida. How much Cristobal stock are you buying as a college football fan? Oh, I like Cristobal now. They're, I mean, only a fool wouldn't buy that stock. I mean, that's I, I just I just it, I, to me, it's the dynamic at Miami is 
a very interesting one. I think he's a great fit. I don't think. I know he's a great fit. But I really question, and this may be a thing of the past because of the transfer portal, and, and, and there's different ways to build there's different ways to build a monster in college football nowadays. It's not always about recruiting. But, boy, when you look at the U, um, I, I just – I think they're going to have a hard time competing from a recruiting standpoint with facilities and, and things of that nature. And I know that's just, a, that's just one part of recruiting, but I do think it's important it, from a recruiting perspective and from the ability to prepare and to develop players. I, I think any coach worth the, worth the flip will tell you that he's got to be able to bring guys in there and five years later he's got to be able to develop them and, and create grown-ass men out of them if they're going to compete at the level that you're expected to compete at Miami. And I just don't know right now if they have that um, – to turn the corner quickly. I think Cristobal will eventually get there at Miami. Um, it's as strong a brand as there is in college football. I don't give a damn what any, any other brand out there. The U is as strong a brand as any. Um, and so I think it will happen. It's just a matter of, I think it's going to be a few years before, before it does. But I tell you, he's got a hell of a crew. Heck, I'm, I'm concerned this week because I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot down here in Houston about this football game. And I'm hearing they're going to be without their lead receiver this week. And I don't know how I don't know how accurate that is or not, but I'm, I'm there's there's rumors out there that I can't even say the kid's name Xavier right. it's Xavier's kid's name the first this is his first name, um, but if they don't have him, man, this A and M defense is this A and M defense is good. Right. I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate that's what's going on in College Station right now, um, but this A and M defense is really good. If they don't have their weapons, Miami's gonna have a tough time. Right. No, I get it. I just – I love it, man. I mean, he's got Ed Reed there. He played there. Crystal Ball played there. But he's got Ed Reed back. He's got Jason uh, Jason Taylor in there coaching. I think he's just got – Yeah. He's got a lot of juice coming back. And it, it'd, be a, it'd be a good win for them. It'd be a really good win. I think it would propel them into a different conversation. And I think it would excel that process that you were talking about if they can get, get this one done. Yeah, despite the, the rough performance for the Aggies last week, they are six-point favorites at home in this game against the Hurricanes over at Bet Rivers. Get your bets in before Saturday, folks. All right, we're going to talk about some under-the-radar games quickly before we get to our picks at the end of the show, the first of which is where College Game Day is headed this week. It's a first in the history of College Game Day. It's going to Boone, folks. It's going to Appalachian State as they host Troy, I think this is a little reward for the massive win. I was going to call it an upset, and I had to stop myself. That was, to me, not an upset. That was App State playing some damn good football in a bright spot, and now they've got some hype for a program that's deserved it for what they've done. Stop it, years, G. Years and years. I mean, stop it, G. That was an upset. Man, they went to number six, one of the most difficult places in all of college football to we, play, and wait. they and they they lined up and, and, and just bullied them sons of guns. I was an upset if I ever seen one. Clint, can me? we can we see what AM does this week before we say that? Oh well hell. I mean, if that's if, if, hey, if this week is gonna determine it, I'm gonna back up a little bit, G. Well, does <laughs> does the scoreboard determine it? What determines it? Oh well, I mean, I, you go into you go into a team that's been a top 10 team uh from Jump Street, and 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 there ain't no doubt about it. I mean, there's there's talented as anybody out there. They got dudes at AM now. They just ain't very beyond like I said last week, they ain't coached very well right now on the offensive side of the football. But Ab State going into college station ranked number yeah. six. Aggies ranked up. That's a big time upset, man. Uh, if if we're sticking with them as the sixth best team in the country, I agree. Fair, but, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, I, I think the point is I 
App State's not as far down as we may have thought a week ago, and I don't think A&M's nearly as close as they were up high, but that's fair. Uh, think look, about uh, that, G. Can I can, can sure. think about this real quick? I know you got to get to this, man, but you're damn good, it. You're good. I mean, A&M went out there and scored seven points against App State. North Carolina, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't North Carolina have a freshman or a redshirt freshman quarterback? He's yes. playing well, though, but they do. He went out there and they scored 63 points, Chief. I, look, I know, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from a young kid. I, I, I'm, I'm making that point strictly to say, yeah. what in the hell is going on in College Station, man? Gosh, damn, that pisses me off. Eh, you're not wrong. I think a lot of me. I think a lot of people are asking those questions and reaching for the glass that you just reached for, Clint. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so look. We, we called it the fun belt earlier this week because uh, some big upsets in that conference. But a, a simple question, have group of five programs closed the gap at all on the top tier of college football? It seems like there's a lot of chaos to start this season. I think the last couple of seasons you could point and pick certain games out of a basket that fall into this category. But we we talked about Bama. Are they creaking the door open? I'm not saying any group of five are going to jump mm. up to that category, but are they are they inching closer to where they can win games like App State did in College Station on a more regular basis? Hack, what do you think? Well, here's what I will say. I think I think programs like App State, programs like Marshall, and a lot of these teams that do come out and, and oftentimes pull these upsets off are programs that are used to winning. Now, it, App State's won consistently. Um, and they they have a belief stepping into any of these games with the understanding of what's going on, that they can win these games. Historically speaking, it's happened. And uh, I think just the way the culture's built at some of these programs, it is. I think something that's facilitating that is the transfer portal because it works as a siphon where programs like App State and and these smaller group of five pro, group of five schools, they didn't have access to kids that were going to the Alabamas and the USC's who had, they, they didn't even have a shot in hell. So they weren't even offering these kids, but now I think they have the opportunity to build relationships with these kids through high school. And if it doesn't work out at one of these schools, these kids want to go, want to go play ball and they want to go, go play ball at a program that knows how to win. Um, and if it's not going to work out at another uh, equal lateral movement from a Florida to a, to a, to a Tennessee or a Alabama to a Georgia, whatever, they will go somewhere they can play. And, and the quarterback at, at App State right now is a perfect example. It took them two moves to do it, but I've said this over and over again, started at Clemson, transferred to Duke, didn't work out, got down to App State, found a home and he is balling right now. So I think it's like, I think it's one of those things where that's facilitated uh, these group of five programs that have established cultures of winning to, to kind of, I'm not going to say bridge the gap, but now they're starting to get some talent that can facilitate it week in, week out. Hack, hack you're, you're, I mean, your point is so spot on, bro. And, and I'll talk about it from Arkansas's perspective because I'm, I'm closest to that program. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about, and, and, and it's, it, this is the same, the same, like really same thing for an app state or a UCF or a university of Houston or whoever it may be, uh, Cincinnati, Like if if for one reason or another, whether it's because you're a a group of five school or your state, like Arkansas doesn't produce just just the 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 true Division One Power Five recruits that the state of Arkansas produces per year is single digit, Mm -hmm. and then Oklahoma come in and poach a couple of them. Ole Miss will grab one from the east side. And, and and then next Alabama may want one if they're good enough, and Arkansas gets the rest of you. For, that, that's Arkansas's deal, right? App State yeah. is because they're a, a a group of five and power. They got they get the power five leftovers. But for whatever reason, if you don't 
if you don't have the ability to go get those players for one reason or another to Hack's point, now you can go get them dudes and you can get them in a transfer portal after they've been somewhere developing, building, learning the game, maturing. And now if you're a good program that that prepares kids to play at the next level, that that gets gets kids in education, that is a well-coached, well-oiled machine, all of a sudden, the gap is closed significantly. Hell, it's happened at Arkansas. Sam Pittman yeah. has taken it so so much advantage of the COVID nineteen year and the transfer portals to where now he's got depth that's comparable to other Power Five programs. Arkansas doesn't typically have that. App State doesn't typically have that. They got a bunch of offensive and defensive linemen that have because of COVID nineteen. Hell, they they're a year older and a year more mature and a year longer in the weight room and. I mean, that's a powerful animal, man, for schools that, that typically have problems building depth and having having the Jimmies and Joes. Yeah. Well, whether you want to classify these wins as upsets or whether you want to just call them wins, either way, you have to tip your cap to a program like App State. And in fact, I got to sit down with the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week earlier this week. That would be Jalen McLeod, App State linebacker, two sacks, two forced fumbles, in the win over Texas A&M. And you can watch a few minutes of that interview right now. All right, we have Appalachian State linebacker Jalen McLeod here, fresh off of a massive win over Texas A&M. Two sacks, two forced fumbles. Jalen, you are the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week. Question number one, how are you feeling right now? This is about 48 hours after this win. Are you still buzzing? Um, a little bit, a little bit, but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about Choi because um, we don't want to uh, come in and lose to Choi after we came from a big win. So we, I'm, I'm more fo focused on Choi right now. Hey, that's the right answer. I know Coach has to love that answer, man. Uh, so I promise I'll only dwell in the last game for one or two more questions, and then we will look forward. But first of all. The atmosphere in College Station for that game, that had to be something, right? To, to shut that crowd up at the end of that game, what's that feeling like? Oh, uh, It felt great. It felt great because coming in the game, we was told that College Station is one of the harder places to play at in college football. 102 people was there, 102,000, uh, I think. Just It was crazy. That was my first time ever seeing something like that. We walk out with the roars. After they scored a touchdown, it got loud. But I didn't let it phase me. So the whole team didn't let it phase, phase us, and we just kept pushing we wanted to shut the crowd up. That was our cheering, our little fan section. And then them being quiet, that's our cheering. That's our cheering. So what was happening? So for those that don't know, you had some travel issues back home, ended up staying an extra night in College Station. Uh, from my perspective, I can imagine that might not be the worst thing in the world. Obviously, you get home, but off a huge win like that, maybe a little celebration in store. Was there any, any sort of story there? Or what was it like being stuck for, for one more night? Um, we, we was kind of mad. We was kind of blown. It was, it was it, we was hoping to get back in boom because you saw the videos. You saw the video. We was hoping to get the celebration back. You know, at least get here by like eleven o'clock. We still had a little little time. But once we got the news that college get camp, game day is coming, hey, everything went back up to uh flames. We was happy, and we was, we didn't care about standing up at night. We just was happy that we got the recognition and it showed that boom was one of the best college towns, football college towns. So let's talk about game day because that's a massive accomplishment. The first time in Appalachian State history, the college game day is coming to campus. Uh, and I, look, I'll just say it explicitly. I, you don't have to. I don't know if anyone has to. 
They're not coming because of Troy in this game. They're coming to see the Mountaineers. They're coming to see what the Appalachian State program is about. Uh, what's the feeling like on that campus that you just mentioned is so special? What's it like this week? Um, I, would, I would say it's the same as any other day. We're, we're going to take it the same preparation. To, um, we're going to come into, like, today practice, we're going to come in, execute everything to perfection. I know we're not going to be perfect, but we, that's what we're striving to be, like we did last week and the, year, uh, the, the uh, week before. And we, we're not going to take choice, slight, or nothing. Uh, or nothing. We're just going to come in and we're going to make sure we go 110% Tuesday to Friday and be ready uh, Saturday. That was App State linebacker Jalen McLeod. You can watch the entire interview on the Field of 12 YouTube channel. Of course, you can listen to us every single night on After Dark on the SiriusXM app. We've got 12 games. We're going to do our Thursday picks as we do every single Thursday night. Producer Dagan tells me I am obligated to update the standings from last week in which I gloated that I was in first place. Well, last week, Producer Dagan went eight and four. Clint, seven and five. Good week. Hack, six and six. Nothing to be upset about. I went four and eight, boys. I need to bounce back. I took that shit to heart. And I'm here to be better. Okay. Hey, you had that, Chief. You had that that Pittsburgh, that six point Pittsburgh uh, uh, game right there. You had that picked. Damn. I had that one dialed in, Clint. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but look, I look. You can't hang your hat on a pile of shit, Clint. And that's what I'm not gonna do. We're gonna move on. Uh, if it's Florida high State- enough, you can. all right uh the order for this clint you're gonna bat lead off then it's gonna go to hack it's gonna come to me and then dagan is gonna wrap us up we'll go through every single game game by game and i will tell us the game starting with florida state at louisville clint who you got florida state man i'm buying florida state i like them a lot i'll let go that i'm going florida state um I think uh, they're finally starting to turn the corner, learn how to win tough. Um, and I, I think Louisville's too much of a hot, cold, up, down for me right now. I think they are hot, cold. I think they're hot this week, though. I think they ride the wave from the UCF win at home. Give me Louisville. Dagan? I'm with Louisville as well. Like Malik Cunningham, I'm with you, Greg. Game hmm. number two, Hack, you, you told us all about this one before the show started. Purdue at Syracuse. Clint, who you like? Oh man, I think I went with Syracuse on this one. I'll, I'll, I'll ride. I'll ride to Orangeman. Donovan McNabb, he's still quarterbacking out there. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna wish right now. I'll tell you what. I'm. I'm. I, I've talked about it. I've been. A, I've been on the Purdue bandwagon. I think. Uh, I think they showed some things against Penn State. Um, kid, they got a quarterback can play. I think he can be a difference maker for them. And I got Purdue. Yeah, I don't think that's just a Big Ten bias pick, but I'll double down with you. Aiden O'Connell's the difference in this game. Give me the Boilermakers. Dagan. I, uh, Hack, we talked we talk before the show. You're all in on, on Purdue. Can you tell mm-hmm. me uh, – now, I do a little research for this, right? I got to come on here. I got to know what I'm talking about, right? I run the show. People got to know that I know what I'm talking about. Who is the highest-rated quarterback, highest-graded quarterback by Pro Football Focus in the FBS this season – or Power Five this season? Anybody know? Who gives a shit? Garrett Schrader, the quarterback of Syracuse. They got Sean Tucker in the backfield. I'm rocking with the orange. Let's do it. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was I was gonna make a very off-color Jim Beheim joke, but I'm gonna try and move us along. Let's here. do it. Uh, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech is next. Clint, what do you got? 
Who'd you say I'm still laughing at? Heck, <laughs> gives a shit. Yeah, pro football focus. Who the fuck? Who the fuck's <laughs> fucking Let's crazy do it. stuff? Let's Part do it. French. I'm with you. Hey, I, <laughs> hey, all the power to them for figuring it out, and everyone's jumping on it. But hell, man, I'm a locker room guy. I want to watch it. I want to see it. You know, we've been in those shoes, Clint. All right, what? I got, I, got, I got Frank, who's eating a Subway sandwich, didn't even put a jock strap on in high school, telling me this kid's the best damn quarterback in college football. Get oh, out shit. of here, dude. Pack, you oh, know what? That's what I live for. Pro Football Focus, notoriously not a pod guy, Pack. They are pod guys, true. for sure. <laughs> not a pod guy. It's Ole Miss at Georgia Tech, Clint. Who you got? Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Uh, I'm going to ride with Ole Miss, man. Lane Kiffin. I don't know what the hell he's doing at quarterback, but but uh, but but I'm gonna ride with Ole Miss. I got Ole Miss as well. Yeah, easy one, Ole Miss. Dagan. Yeah, we have times to hit Ole Miss. Love it. Next one, Dagan's own Irish against California at Notre Dame. Clint, what do you got? I t- I'm taking Cal. Whoa. They got quarter. They got quarterback problems in uh, at Notre Dame, and I'm, I'm gonna ride with Cal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a little Yogi. I'm been listening to Yogi on this one. I know, and I, I part of me wants to, man, but I, I want I want so badly for Freeman to get back on the right track. I think he's got some good pieces there. They showed great against Ohio State Week One. Um, obviously, got to figure some stuff out. Maybe the shakeup of quarterback will help. I'm I'm rolling with the Irish. So there's a scene in a, an iconic TV show called Breaking Bad in which Jesse, one of the characters, says he can't keep getting away with this. That's how I feel about Notre Dame football right now. They can't keep losing at this rate. It's not going to happen. They are bad. I think they're going to break bad this week. Notre Dame's going to win the game. Dagan. For my well-being, uh, I got to pick Notre Dame. They need, they, need to win. they need to win a game eventually. So let's do it. Te- Texas right. Tech at NC State. Clint. NC State. NC State, getting hot. NC State, Dagan. I really wanted to pick Texas Tech here off of last week's <laughs> win, but I'm going with NC State. Better defense. Wow. Okay, to the SEC, Mississippi State at LSU. This game is pretty close to a pick right now on Bet Rivers. Clint, what do you like? I really like Mississippi State in this ballgame. I really like Mississippi State. I, I, I just think Brian Kelly's got some buy-in issues down there. The product I saw week one, it left a lot to be desired. The one thing about Mike Leach is he's going to go down there and and he is going to sling it all over the park. And Will Rogers is an absolute gunslinger. Um, I, I like Mississippi State uh, convincingly in this game, to be honest. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I got LSU. <laughs> That's it. He's speechless. Yep, that's, that's it. That's all we got. I can't. I can't uh, come back with that. I mean, but I got LSU. I think. Uh, I think. I think Brian Kelly writes the ship. You know, he he may have some issues, but um, to me, too good of a football coach. I've been back and forth on this game all day. The pick that I gave to Dagan this afternoon was Mississippi State, but after hearing Clint's speech, I'm with him convincingly. Mississippi State gets it done. Dagan. Mississippi State and Clint. We did this whole. You know, I'm not a betting guy. A couple weeks ago. But uh, yeah, the over in this game looks looks good to me. So there we go. Yeah, and me as well. Your wife must be out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Little tasty. All right, to uh, another gambling game that I like here. UTSA is at Texas. Clint, I like Texas, man. I'm I'm buying Sark even even with the quarterback issues. I, I like that defense. 
played lights out last week. Um, I think this is something that the University of Texas just absolutely must build off of. Um, I'll argue that this game is bigger than whether they would. I mean, obviously, if they'd have beat Alabama, it would have been beautiful. But in hindsight, I'll argue that how they played this week after after showing some good last week is is as important a game as they played since Sark, Sark took over. Texas. Uh, I, I agree with that. I'm on the Texas train. I think all the points that he said. And Texas also has the best football player on the field in B. John Robinson still. So he's proven a way to – win even with poor quarterback play in the past and still get his so uh, i got this is the letdown spot of all letdown spots after the emotional roller coaster that was last week against alabama for texas give me the roadrunners give me utsa frank harris is going to touch the ball every single play Bijan robinson is not <laughs> that's the difference i got utsa dagan hack i gotta be honest you call this one before the show i got utsa as well I like Frank Harris at quarterback. I think a lot of emotion went into last uh, last week's game for Texas. I don't know if they can. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm with Greg. Letdown spot here. Oklahoma is at the ghost of Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers. Clint. Hello, Doctor Smile. I I think it's a I think it's a fight. I think it's a straight dog fight. But I but I think Oklahoma wins that game. Yeah, I got OU. It's OU, but it's a lot less fun than it should be with Scott Frost on the sidelines. Dagan. Yeah, Oklahoma, but I, I like it close as well. Michigan State is at Washington. Clint, what do you like? Uh, Michigan State. I'll take Michigan State in that one. I got Washington. Michael Penix hmm. playing really well right now. Um, I think Peyton Thorne still has a propensity to turn it over. Defensive backfield in Michigan's probably one of their weaker links. Uh, I got Washington in a little bit of a shootout. Penix beat Michigan State the last time he played them a couple years ago. This is a strictly heart pick. Everything's pointing Washington. I'm going the Spartans. Dagan? Uh, I got Washington as well here, Heck. I don't I don't really like the, the Michigan State offense a lot at the moment. Um, so we'll see. But I, I like Penix as well um, out there. He's kind of trying to change of, change of play out Breath there. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, Breath out there in Washington. Yeah. All right, into our top three games of the week. Miami at Texas A&M. Clint. Oh, man. Are we allowed to change change yeah, here? Yeah, you can change. You can change until until the, you make the pick, until you say it out loud. All right. The graphic will just be wrong, but that's fine. Damn it, Jimbo. <laughs> I've heard two things down here in in H Town today that's got me got me got me crawfishing a bit, boys. I think I'm gonna take Texas A and M. Word on the street is Max Johnson's starting at quarterback, and uh, word on the street is Miami's missing their number one wide receiver. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble on my I'm gonna gamble on my sources being right, and I'm gonna ride Texas A and M here. I think Max Johnson definitely changes it a little bit. But I'm telling you what, man, I stuck with it. I'm going to ride with it. Here comes Miami. I think they're going to come into town and, and uh, put a hurting on the on the old Aggies. Yeah, one of these teams has a quarterback and a coach that I trust right now. One of these teams doesn't have either of those. I'll take Miami, the team with both. Dagan. Yeah, Max Johnson changes a little bit for me, but I'm sticking with Miami as well. BYU at Oregon. Clint. I'm riding BYU, man. I mean, I, I know Oregon – the, the sample that we saw where they got beat up on was was 99% of the country would have got beat up the same damn way, if we're being completely honest. But um, I'm buying what BYU's putting down. And, and, and like I said earlier, I, I just don't know if Bo Nix is a guy that can 
that can go out there in that particular offense and, and go win a game for you. So I'm going to ride with BYU in this one. I got BYU as well. Oh, I don't like that we're all on BYU, but I got BYU. Dagan. So, yeah, it could be the guy that's different here because I know your picks beforehand. But I'm not that guy. BYU. I want to see him in the playoff. Let's do it. All right. Final game of the week. It's Hacks, own Nittany Lions, Penn State at Auburn. Clint, what are you going with? Hack. Hack. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. I, I got to ride with Auburn, man. I got to ride with Auburn right here. Okay. I'll let you have it. I mean, hell, your your uh, your your Razorbacks gave us one last year too, so I'll let you have it. Um, I'm going with Penn State though. Uh, I think Finley's going to give them the ball a couple short fields. They're going to take advantage. Um, I'm 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 rocking with the uh, with the old Nittany Lions. I'm going Auburn, but I like Hack too much to disrespect the Nittany Lions, so I'm just going to pass to take it. Take this, what do you got? Th this one has been the back and forth game for me all, all day. I don't really know what to do, and for people that know me, will be surprised. This is my pick. But Penn State, I'm going Penn State uh, in this one. In a close game, I think it's going to come down to a last-minute drive from Clifford. And I'm not going to lie, that's that little conversation we had earlier in the week may, may have swayed my vote to Penn State for uh, for the good. So there you go. Wow. Dagan, I hope you're not alone as someone who watched and listened to the show and the incredible analysis from Clint Sterner and Christian Hackenberg swung your bets for the weekend. We hope we can do that across the country. Uh, and we are here every single night of the week doing Field of 12 After Dark shows. You can listen to us on the SiriusXM app. You can find us at the Field of 12 on social media and on YouTube. Gentlemen, I wish you a fantastic Saturday with chaotic craziness and fun. And we'll see you guys Saturday after all the action is done back here on the Field of 12.